Hello, and welcome to Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, and I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily, the number one online career growth club. I'm helping 1 million people grow their careers, and that includes executives just like you. I coach a community of executives inside Work It Daily, where we talk about what it means to be an executive, how we can build our executive networks, and how we can take our executive careers to the next level. So get ready. We're about to share content only an executive insider can bring to the table. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Executive Insider. This is the show where we give you access to elite executives, where they're giving us the inside scoop on all the latest techniques and trends in the professional world. And I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking about a really important subject, which is managing your business and evaluating some of the, I want to say, ethical concerns around doing the right thing for the business and doing the right thing for your people. And this came out of an article that was written on the Work It Daily site. It's five leadership dilemmas posed by the coronavirus, by the pandemic. And I'm very lucky to have Pawan Jaranda today. He's the author of this article. And we're going to really get into it specifically How do you make those ethical decisions? And when do you know if you've done enough or done too much or done the wrong thing? I'm actually really excited that I'm not on the hot seat today for this conversation because I don't think it's an easy one. And I love that Pawan rose to the challenge on this. So let's bring him up on the screen and give him a shout out. Hey there. Hi. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for writing that piece for Work It Daily. I have to tell you, it hit me between the eyeballs as the owner of a business. I would read the section and go, yep. Every single thing you hit on in this piece, I have been personally dealing with as an executive. So everyone that's listening today, please, if you haven't read the article, go read it because it's going to make a lot of sense. But talk to me a little bit. I want to understand you're the head of supply chain. You've been in this for a long time. Where did you get your experience and acknowledgement that you had to take a look at these issues? Walk us through that a little bit before I start pelleting you with questions. Thank you, JT. I never considered writing an article in the first place. It was just three months back and the article essentially brought in light features that I went through in my experience. So right from the beginning, when we were hearing that the virus is affecting some countries, it was the real experience that we really thought it is some localized problem and it will not happen and it will just pass away. And as time went by and things got closer, I found myself completely getting involved with the whole thought process. At first, it was more like news. It's happening there. It's happening in the country as well. And more closer, it came into our factory. Or I'm thinking the issues start getting discussed in the factory. Now, the real thing came was that when we found out that the numbers are really climbing is when we had to confront with the issues directly head on. And that is the time when I myself had to go through the whole experience of uh, how to manage the situation and how to address issues. It really brought me thinking that you know what is the right thing to do and that is where frankly speaking as a person who's really trained and over the years who has worked the one thing that you really are uh, taught to do is maximize stakeholder value Mm. and that's where i'm saying you drive i'm saying every argument every decision of yours government and the moment you went back home And then you started thinking that, oh, you are a leader, but you are also a human being and you have a vulnerability. So when you went back to work and you looked at the faces of your people and you look, they are now vulnerable and you are responsible for them. That's when this whole quest started. And I thought I'll I'll write down my journey or write down my experience. And in that going through that journey, 
what I thought would be, you know, the way out or what should be the way in which one should approach the thing. That makes total sense. You share this incredible story, but let me just recap the five. So one of the things you thought about was survival of the business versus doing good. Then it was number two, business operations continuity versus people's well-being and safety. Then it was resource deployment versus the community need, right? Your greater community. Four was concessions and employee working policies versus disciplinary procedures. And then lastly, recognition of performance versus conservation of cash and benefits. Again, I want to compliment you to be so succinct and to be able to map out those five major themes. That took a lot of thought because like you said, we're conditioned as executive stakeholder value, do what's right for the business, but there's this huge emotional tug when we're a leader. So I think my first question to you is how does a leader know if they've done enough, if they've thought these things through and if they're doing enough to serve both masters, so to speak? Well, uh, I think as the situation in this particular case evolved and some a situation like this, we did not have any parallel before. There was really no guideline or no benchmark or no thumb rule to say, okay, this is what you have done. And in fact, what you did even at work in terms of people's safety or the business continuity, you just found yourself the next day the situation changing. And then you found that what you had done was not enough. And when you kept on going over a period of a month or two, you still find even after two months and you still think the size of the problem is so large and still you have not done enough. So it's very, very difficult to, to say that what is the objective criteria to say enough. What I found in my journey was I would say I had heard conversations about what they said is organizational purpose. and that is the time when as a leader that I had to make a decision. That is the time when it sort of came live for me because we felt we had a purpose. We had heard about it. We were possibly implementing it. But it was at this particular point of time that became the guiding stone of saying what should be the priority. And we didn't have to look very, very far. The movement we came up against an issue what our basic instinct told us was the right thing to do on the spot in the first five seconds of the thought was the right thing to do. It was devoid of any rationalization, but you knew this is it. And if it matched with your organization's purpose, then it was absolutely the perfect thing to do. Amazing. I love that, that you do know it comes to you, but I think for some people that comes up and then they immediately revert back to that old mental model of, but I have to do what's right for the company and how are we going to make that happen? And I don't have the resources and I can see people backing away. So I think my question to you is even in those moments, were you ever unsure that you were doing the right thing? I had my movements. Like I said, since I didn't know it was enough. So obviously the paradox was that, am I doing too much for the business or am I doing too much for the people? Yeah, it was like you're on a seesaw and you're trying to every day recalibrate and possibly every day when you go back home in the night, you just think, okay, yep. what is the better thing I could do tomorrow morning? The only one thing that came out to me very, very powerfully in those times was if anything I can do is first thing is I have to be in the front because like you said, was I unsure? Yes, I was very unsure. I was very unsure that I don't know when I come back tomorrow, will I be one of the victims? 
Right. But what I was sure was that if I'm responsible for such a larger team, then I have to be at the front. And then from there, I have to guide the actions, whether for the business or for the people. So here's a radical question for you. How are you supposed to know the best way to design a career that suits your unique needs? Few of us were ever exposed to useful advice to help us make good career decisions. In the past, only pro athletes and wealthy CEOs could afford career coaching. Work It Daily was designed to disrupt the career coaching industry. We provide 24-7 access to career coaches for less than the cost of a gym membership. Like most professionals, you've likely struggled at some point to find a job or grow your career in a way that makes you feel happy and satisfied. Work It Daily can help you make sense of what to do next in your career. Career planning can feel daunting and lonely, but it doesn't have to be that way. Work It Daily will provide you with the structure and answers you need to take action and get the positive results you're looking for from your efforts. Because we know you have better things to do than stress about your job search or career growth strategy. You'll find us online at workitdaily.com or in your phone app store. That's Work It Daily. W-O-R-K-I-T-D-A-I-L-Y.com. Visit to learn more or sign up today and get started with our career coaches immediately. I think it's very interesting that you said that you would go home every night and think. I think that sums me up perfectly since this has started. You try to do what's right and then you think about it and you think about it. And then you're also going home to a family. And, you know, we're always taught as leaders, if we don't take care of ourselves first, then we're not going to be in a position to lead. So there's all that stress that I think comes with it as well. It's certainly not an easy thing. And that leads me to my next question, because it can be really easy as leaders for us to want to compare ourselves to other organizations or to other leaders and what they're doing. I think in some ways we're almost looking to figure out, okay, is someone doing it right that I can mimic or copy, you know, that sort of thing. How do you avoid that? I have my own thoughts on what I've done, but I'd like to hear, how did you avoid that comparison and being hard on yourself and almost confusing yourself and just dialing in like you did? It's interesting that you asked that because that dilemma did not even come looking outside the organization for us. Because being part of supply chain, we were on the field. And being on the field, our work had no substitute of doing anything virtual. In our sort of environment, a lot of the production or the distribution is physical in nature. And you're dealing with a mass of people. Then it's now that somebody does a comparison that the people in marketing or the people in finance or the people in other functions who are remotely working are getting privileged or are quite safe. And so that was a challenge that really first it had to be internalized to say what is the right thing. And Mm -hmm. then we had to talk to our teams directly and very, very openly and say to them that their job can be done from a virtual center. Can your job be done? Can you service the customer? Can you service the pharmacy by not going? So that was one. So that was the rational part of it to sort of get them to understand and to yourself be comfortable with it. The second was the fact to say that we are in a food industry and if we don't supply, if we don't do it, then we are going to have a second problem, which is a food scarcity. So imagine that if we have to do that, there is a greater calling in our work right now. And that greater calling is something you should look at. It's more like, meaning I remember one of the conversations I had with my team Do you expect a soldier to sit in a drawing room and tell you how to fight the enemy? So why would you at this time think about how a marketing person would do 
whereas you know the right thing is to be delivering right now or to be manufacturing right i think a balance of a rational as well as an emotional dialogue and a very very open dialogue in which you are yourself ready to be questioned and answerable and the only thing was that since you were standing in the front therefore you had a moral high ground to okay speak up and at least discuss the point and call on people that makes sense and you know something i heard in there that you said that moral high ground and that focus probably now more than ever as executives we have to gain clarity of purpose don't we because that clarity of purpose is probably shifted as a result of what's happening what techniques or advice can you give based on what you went through to help others make sure that they've really got their clarity of purpose in check again i would say is that the first thing was i started questioning to say what is my purpose as a leader and when i felt my purpose as a leader was shaky at that particular point of time you know i had to revisit myself and think of what i stand for as an individual in the first place from there i moved on to what my organization does how it conducts myself all the things that we talk to our employees about and then i could find that there is a complete congruence in what we are saying that now this is something sounds simplistic that i am just saying one point over here but the fact of the matter is that possibly that is the only pure way of measuring whether you have a true purpose because if with the purpose you are at your peace of mind then you know you are in the right place they are i am saying in literature and otherwise as we understand is purpose by nature is supposed to be very all encompassing it is like you know you're trying to reach for the stars and the moment you think you've reached too high then you still find you still have a long way to go the other important thing being it should just connect to the heart your purpose your organization purpose should just connect to the heart in a very very simple way to whoever it is destined for oh i couldn't agree more and as you were talking about that need to almost inventory poan i was thinking back to these you know your first one survival of the business versus doing good i could almost see putting all your leaders in a room and taking these five these are like battles right each one of these was this on the business versus this on the human side and defining what we value what we believe in for each of these and then trying to find that balance right the engineer in me almost wants to take a logical approach as i look at some of these again business operations continuity versus people's safety resource deployment versus community need they're very very important and to tie that all back to purpose like you said really comes down to do you feel deeply connected to this does this make sense which i absolutely love so no easy answers here for sure but the fact that you're making us think about these is phenomenal I want to take some questions from the audience. So we're going to bring one up here from Scott. Scott asks, continuous improvement says we can always do better. How did you map out your future based on your baseline with your team performance? How did agility play in this role versus policy versus doing the right thing? One of the things which came up when we started off was that the first instinct for us was to say, "Oh, we have to guard profitability." and to guard profitability what do you need to do so obviously the questions came out that okay the easy one out is can we do people retrenchment can we shut down a part of the business can we increase the cost could be because we are the market leader and there's scarcity so we had all these alternatives in front of us the on the other hand we also found there was a need in the community as we could see in our employees as well that 
affordability of people was decreasing even with affordability the ability to reach was decreasing so internally within our teams what we decided and i think that i would say to a certain extent we've been successful is we took the pillar of efficiency as the driving pillar for us where we said that through the whole team we looked at what are the wastages which are possible in the system and we heavily we came down very very heavily on wastages in terms of our productivity standard i would say the teams really pushed themselves to increase productivity by 30 40% so what really happened was because every resource was not available every in terms of manpower or machine was not available so we were able to push the thresholds than what was considered is the right threshold so going forward i would say that the road map that we have found out is that one is we found our road map that can we reach the customers directly in this case because we found that between our manufacturing to the customer there is a huge amount of i'm saying interfaces which can be done away with and they reduce wastages so in that way what i do is i don't have to increase the price points i don't have to increase i have to shed resources because i have to save cost but get more productivity out of those resources so i would not be wrong to say that even in such a scenario if i have been able to increase business but not at the cost of community or at the cost of profitability i am saying possibly i have hit the right patch right now totally makes sense we've got another question here from jim jim asks how did the crisis change you as a leader pawan and how will that impact you going forward personally i think on the point of empathy is something that it really touched me much much more deeply somewhere in my work experience as being a very corporate executive i was sort of very cutthroat in my dealing but it was at this particular point of time that what i would say is human calling is that really that that sort of came out and we had situations where we had to continue and i found a lot of my teammates were not able to make to work or they were not able to even you know they reported sick in a normal course when so many people report sick or they are not able to come to work you would normally think there's something wrong but this was the time you would think no there may be rightful reasons the person is not able to come to work and i'll make do with what i have don't worry they will come back and i'm sure that sort of approach and dealing with the team helped because the crisis has gone on for long and the team has come back and everyone based on his ability he is able to shoulder his responsibility so i think my dealing with people and my empathy is definitely definitely changed for the better i love that and we know study after study shows that that empathy factor is so important but you're not alone that part of the reason we become executives is that we can make good sound business decisions and not let every emotion get the best of us right there's that balance of the emotion but it's exciting to hear you recognize that in yourself i actually have a question about now that you've been given more constraint right less resources and you've been able to get results let's say everything went back and you had all the resources at your disposal again and everything went back to normal do you think you would go back to your old ways of doing business or do you think that out of this have actually come some new ways that you'll keep there's no going back because in whatever we did like i said i may still feel that have i done enough but i still feel i didn't do anything wrong by the learnings that i have had from here i can see critical points of how we can use technology how we can directly reach the community even with less how 
having plenty of resources is not the ideal thing even the intent to support is just good enough to make a difference so i think from a business point of view yes if i were to be given back that many resources i'm sure i would commit myself to proportionately or manifold increase that much output or gains for the business or possibly half is those resources for the benefit of the community Thank you for listening to today's episode of Executive Insider. If you want to learn more about Work It Daily and how we can help you with your career or job search, visit workitdaily.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. Don't forget to check out workitdaily.com slash podcast to get access to the resources and links mentioned in today's episode. Those can be found in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening. And I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode of Executive Insider.